0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. This week we are thinking and continuing looking at our series in Revelation, thinking about how we can stay faithful to Christ even in the middle of persecution. And we're looking at that in the light of the final judgment from Revelation chapter 14. You might like to have a read of that passage before we begin and you might like to have it up on the screen or whatever as you're listening. And just to remind you, there's a YouTube channel as well for Understand the Bible. There's content there which isn't available on the podcast. And this week, I was looking at a general uh, session on how to understand the Bible, looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in helping us to understand. So you might like to have a watch of that on YouTube, and the link for that is down below. And if you'd like to support Understand the Bible, it's possible to do that as well, either with prayer or financially, and uh, you can do that through the link below. And there's all the information that you need. So, thanks so much, everyone, for joining me. I hope that this sermon is a blessing and edifying to you, and I'll see you again next week. Well, being a Christian is harder when you're facing pressure to do it, isn't it? You know, being a Christian is something which is, uh, if people are, you know, your friends are being persecuted, you know, maybe taken away. Think about what it might be like in North Korea taken away, put into prison, into labour camps, even executed. It really makes it, makes it difficult, doesn't it? It's not an easy thing at, at all. And even in, in the Western world, actually, I mentioned um, Roe v. Wade just earlier, but uh, there have been slogans painted on churches and in other places, which is saying, if um, abortion is not safe, neither are you. And there are actually a couple of these sort of pregnancy counseling centers that have been firebombed and churches have been desecrated and, and that sort of thing. There's been violence against Christians as a result of this. Um, and, you know, the temptation in that situation is to say, well, we're, we're receiving this, you know, this persecution, we're receiving this violence, and so why should we stick with Christ? You know, wouldn't it just be better? And easier if we could just go and fit in with the world the temptation to abandon Christ is very strong and I think we mustn't forget that as Western Christians that whatever temptations we face it's worse in other places and we talked about Nigeria the last couple of weeks um, when there are hundreds of Christians being killed you know by these um, Islamist sort of extremists so how do we combat if you like that temptation the temptation to to abandon christ or the temptation to uh to go with just what the world is saying and this is where we need the message of revelation which gives us if you like the bigger picture and the picture from god's perspective especially from the the perspective of the final judgment and we've looked at the kind of circled around the final judgment a bit over the past few weeks but this really is um, a much clearer picture that you know what that we that we see Um, so it starts out with another vision of this 144,000 and if that number sounds familiar to you it's because we've already seen it in uh, in chapter 7 chapter 7 verse 4 then I heard the number of those who were sealed one hundred and forty-four thousand from all the tribes of Israel. So this is a reference to all of God's people. Again, that's what that that number means. It's, it's just the the complete number of God's people. That's what it's talking about, and it's it talks about them having a a seal on their foreheads. Um, and again, it's similar to what it says in chapter seven. So so this is really. Uh, what, it's, uh, what it's referring to is the people of God, those who've been sealed uh, by the Lord Jesus, who belong to him. And you think, um, think back to last week, by the way, about uh, in chapter 13, verse 16, um, the beast who forced all people to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. So what we see is that there's a it's either or. You know having the mark of the beast of this sort of secular earthly um power empire religion whatever you might call it or having the mark of the lamb having the mark of jesus it's one or the other and it can't be both and that's that's clear through through revelation and what do these people do it says verse three they sang a new song before the throne and before the 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 four living creatures and the elders they sang a new song. That's something that comes up some, several times in the psalm, singing a new song to God. And perhaps you've experienced this in, in your life as well. It's, you know, it, it's like God has done something new in your life. You've experienced the power of God, the love of God in a new way. And I think that's the sense here. It's, it's saying that you know, they experience God's love, his power and all of those things in a new way. They sing him a new song to say, you know, to praise him, to thank him for that. And, um, and it says in there in, the, in verse 4, These are they who did not defile themselves with women. They remain virgins. They follow the Lamb uh, wherever he goes. Uh, this isn't an anti-marriage thing at all or, or anything like that. Uh, but in a symbolic sense, you know, that actually um, it's, it's a spiritual thing, defiling, in the Bible, that marriage is often used, and unfaithfulness is used as sort of a spiritual symbol of turning away from God. And this is what it's saying: that it's actually those who remain faithful to Jesus. That's um, that's that's really what it's talking about. And there, in verse five, it says, "No lie was found in their mouths; they are blameless." One of the things that I've, I've noticed. Um, much more lately is how the Bible often talks about truth and truthfulness in God's people. It's not something that we, I think, we pay all that much attention to. We don't often think about it as much as the Bible does, I think, how um, truth and truthfulness go together. But Jesus said it in, for example, in John, chapter 18, verse 37, uh, Jesus says... uh, the reason that I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Jesus said, I'm on the side of truth. I came to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And that's because uh, that God is the truth and Jesus is the truth. Is not just true, but is the truth. It's the ground of everything true in the world because this is God's world. You know, he made it and that if we want to be people who live in the world, we need to be people of truth, and we need to speak the truth. And, and to speak the truth is to speak about God, and to speak about his creation of the world and the way that he made it. Um, so speaking the truth is, is perhaps more important than we often give it credit for. So then in this, this next section, verses six to 13, we see the judgment sort of declared and there, there are three angels. Uh, the first one proclaims, it says, the eternal gospel. He says, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the, the earth, and so on, who made, who made everything. So it's a, uh, it's a message of the gospel. It's a message of turning back to God. And it's a message to which, um, I, of worship, worshipping God. And I wonder if this is a sign, you know, that that message of the gospel can, you know, will be proclaimed right up until the very end. Because this is the time of judgment, but there the, the angels proclaiming that message. And I think perhaps that's the thing if, you know, you hear of people who are converted on their deathbeds. And I think perhaps here you have that same, you know, that those who are, um, the opportunity is there right up until the moment. You know, the opportunity is there for anyone to come to the Lord. Uh, but then the second angel comes and says, Fallen is Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Babylon is, sort of represents the kingdoms of men, you know, these earthly empires that set themselves up uh, against the Lord. And he says they are fallen. And um, adulteries, of course, again, talking about the spiritual, turning away from God. And then the third angel says um, this message, um, If anyone worships a beast in its image and receives its mark, uh, they will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. Um, so those who who do not believe and trust in the Lord, who turn away from Jesus, and who trust instead in these earthly um, empires and anything sort of worldly, rather than in God, will actually experience God's wrath. And it says um, it has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. Um, in those days, wine was commonly diluted with water two or three times. Um, and I don't know, some people do that today even. But this says it's, been, it's undiluted. It's sort of pure undiluted, and I think these are difficult words I know for, for many people to hear, but I think we need to hear them. Because it is saying that there will come a judgment, and it is well deserved for those who who do not turn to God, who do not accept Jesus, who turn away from Him and worship other things. Um, that this is this is what will happen. The Bible doesn't give us very many pictures of of judgment and hell and what it will be like often uses pictures sometimes Jesus talked about darkness and also Jesus talked about fire and, and that's the image here being tormented with with fire and it says there'll be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name but it says for us for those who believe it says this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus." So all the way through, this is what we've been hearing, the message of Revelation that we've been hearing. Remain faithful to Jesus. Endure patiently, no matter what. Stick closely with him. It says we need to consider the outcome. We need to consider the outcome of of the course of our decisions now. It says, whatever the cost may be now to you personally, Look at the future. Look at the outcome of the decisions that you're making now and see where that will end up for eternity. And uh, this lovely verse here, verse 13, uh, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. So to die is actually a blessing with God. To die with him is a blessing. And it says their deeds will follow them. This, this is not saying that, you know, we are saved because of all the good things that we've done. But that actually the, the course of our lives now will find its fulfillment in the new creation. I think that's what it's saying, that you know, each of us, we set the direction of our lives day by day, don't we? As we follow, follow Jesus, as we submit to him, as we seek to obey him, even if we still sin that actually the direction, I hope, for for each of us is that we want to grow in loving him, in loving others, and and bit by bit, day by day, we we seek to do more of that. And that's the direction which one day will find its fulfilment in the new creation as we're made perfect uh, like him. And so then in this, this final section here, verses 14 to 20, this is the moment of judgment. So we see there, verse 14... There before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And of course, we know who the son of man is, don't we? It is, it is the Lord Jesus, he, a term that he often referred to himself, saying the son of man. But it's taken actually from Daniel chapter 7. Um, and at first, we have a sort of harvesting of the earth. The harvest of the earth is ripe. Harvesting is often used... In fact, Jesus talked about harvesting uh, several times to talk about the God's people who who would be gathered to him in a positive way. So, for example, this is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So that talks about gathering in God's people. I think that's what's being referred to here. So that's sort of like the positive side of it. And then the second one is when there is another um, gathering in, but this time it talks about uh, grapes. Take your sharpsicle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. And these, it says, are thrown into the great winepress of God's wrath and they were trampled, and blood flowed out of the, pre- uh, out of the press, rising high as uh, horses' bridles. So this is talking about the, the gathering in of those who are ungodly, those who turn away from the Lord, and those who, who um, receive God's anger, God's wrath. And the last, the last part, I think it's, again, this imagery here is maybe um, kind of even shocking, um, to us, you know, because we would we wouldn't use that kind of language generally, would we? Well actually, in those days, this kind of thing was much more commonplace, and there were reports, for example, of how the uh, how the Roman Empire would come and slaughtered Christians, and it said that their blood ran and flowed out to sea and pushed the boulders out to sea and so on. It it was that that kind of language was just much more commonplace, and you think about what what someone in those days must have, must have thought when they read something like this and was thinking, actually, this is, what, this is what the Romans have done to us or what others have done to us. This is actually just using that same kind of language to talk about what God uh, is going to do. So let's, uh, let's just take a moment then to think about, uh, bring some of these things to a conclusion. You know, how can we draw these threads together? Well, Revelation was written to Christians who were enduring great persecution. We're not sure exactly when uh, Revelation was written, probably the late sort of first century, after the time of Nero. And it would have been, the persecution of Christians in some places would have been quite intense at this point. So it was written to, to Christians who were undergoing persecution, sometimes quite severely. And I think for them, that message it was an encouragement because it's an encouragement that in our present circumstances we have been sealed with the mark of, of the Lamb. It's a security in our present circumstances, whatever may be happening, that we belong to God and we belong to the Lamb. Also, it's, a, it's an encouragement of the future, that whatever may happen now, that we know that on death we will enter into that rest and there will be a new creation You know, so we can look ahead to what lies beyond this life and we know that however difficult and painful it may be now that beyond that it will be joy and, and glorious so there's an encouragement and also a warning a warning that god's judgment and his vengeance is coming and that's um. A message which, uh, well, certainly if you listen to, to many churches today, that's a message which is almost entirely absent. But it is an important message for us, isn't it? To know that there are consequences to our actions. And actually the consequence of turning away from the Lord, rejecting Jesus, is the judgment of God. And I think the, the images that are quite are strong, aren't they, in this passage, and I think it has to be because you know we have to hear it you know we have to know that when we turn away from god that's what will result and um you know if for example if my um you know, i take my girls to school uh, morning by morning usually and um you know on the bike and what have you are going on the roads and if if one of them started to go into the road and there was a car coming i wouldn't wait to say oh please would you mind just turning round and you know bringing your bike back or your scooter back or whatever you grab them and you get them out of the road wouldn't you it's a warning you yell and that's that's what revelation for chapter 14 is it's that yelling god yelling to us is saying you need to listen so therefore what does that mean for us Um, i'm just going to say two things very briefly firstly that we don't need to be afraid whatever may happen we don't need to be afraid, particularly we don't need to be afraid of, of men. We don't need to be afraid of human beings. This is what Jesus says, Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So God is the one that we need to listen to no matter what men may say, no matter what the TV might say or Boris Johnson might say or, or whoever, we need to listen to God. And the second thing is that we need to, to look forward to the new creation. And that means living for Christ now. That means that our lives should be lived. As Paul says in Philippians 1.21, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think that's a good motto as well. After this, um, after this passage, to live is Christ, to die is gain, even if it's difficult in this lifetime, even if it's, it's difficult to, to hold on. Think about the, those um, places that have been firebombed in America for holding fast to the idea that all life should be sacred. They are doing what is right and they will receive their reward because they are holding fast to what God has given to us. They're holding fast to Jesus, and we should do likewise. So let's uh, let's take a moment to pray as we close and ask for God's help in these things. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to, to listen to these words from Revelation 14. We pray that you would help us to be encouraged um, to hold fast to Jesus. We pray that you would help us to, to heed the warnings given to us, and always to to. Um, cling fast and to endure patiently to cling fast to Jesus and that uh, you would enable us Lord to walk that narrow road until that till the day when we are with uh, with you in the new creation and the joy and uh, the fulfillment that that will be please help us to fix our eyes on you and uh, keep us firm and secure in your ways and we ask this in Jesus name Amen. amen